Hi to my listeners. I just wanted to leave a quick message to let you know that I'm currently working on my website, playteachtalk.com, and I'm hoping to have it up and going in the first months of 2022, but it is not yet ready. If you've been enjoying what you are learning through the podcast, I will have more learning opportunities available in a longer form in the near future. In the meantime, if you have a question about early language learning, please email me at playteachtalk at gmail.com. I'm hoping to have a longer Q&A episode available soon. You're listening to the Play, Teach, Talk podcast. I'm Tiffany Thompson, a speech pathologist with over 20 years of expertise in working with children under three years of age and their families to help them understand language and communicate better. My specialty is in working with emerging communicators with few or no true words to reduce their frustration, help them interact and play with their peers and family, and to learn to truly enjoy the back and forth of functional communication throughout their daily routines. This podcast is not intended to diagnose speech language disorders, but is more of a general set of suggestions for children who are experiencing delays in their language skills. For recommendations or therapy specific to your child's needs, consultation or evaluation with a licensed speech language pathologist in your city is highly suggested. You're listening to episode 14 of the Play Teach Talk podcast. Nursery rhymes. This uh, subject actually needed an entire podcast because there are so many great things about using nursery rhymes to teach language with kids under three. Nursery rhymes are really my go-to, and for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Nursery rhymes use different parts of the brain than just teaching language does. The use of music activates different circuits in the brain. Nursery rhymes build memory. So kids are more interested in in learning and reciting music than they are um, speech. Nursery rhymes also increase a child's interest in their attention to voices. So if you have a child that doesn't seem to always be listening to what you're telling them or directions that you're giving them, you may see them perk up and either make eye contact with you or smile or dance when you start to sing songs with them. Nursery rhymes also improve listening skills because usually in each verse, something changes. And so children have to learn to cue in to the differences of those verses if they enjoy those nursery rhymes and so, so they can participate in those nursery rhymes. Singing songs also teach anticipation, just kind of mentioned that there. But I do see kids showing that they know what the next verse of a song is by sometimes acting out the gestures or the body movements that go with that next verse. And that shows me that they're building good anticipation. It also teaches filling in the blank, which can be really crucial to helping kids learn how to take turns in speech when they fill in the last word or sound of a line of a nursery rhyme. Nursery rhymes and finger plays and other kind of verbal routines also usually use gestures and words together, which can allow a child to participate even if they don't yet use sounds or words and actually encourages them if they like the song enough to try to use those sounds and words to help complete the lines of the song. Nursery rhymes are also used to teach language concepts in a more entertaining way. 
I, I see kids learn how to point to their body parts when we use head, shoulders, knees, and toes as a first introduction to learning body parts and learning how to identify them. And then what I usually do is to check to make sure they've really assigned the meaning to the body parts they're pointing to. I'll ask later, I'll start to sing out of order. So we would start off with head, shoulders, knees, and toes. And then I might sing the song through and then start again and say, toes, head, shoulders, knees, and see if they can change and cue into my voice and then show me the body parts we're talking about. That's the way I know the kids know body parts better or singing the song and have them identify on a doll or a stuffed animal. That's a good way to check in and see if your child is actually assigning the meaning to those body parts out of the order of the song. And then also you can teach counting with songs like Five Little Monkeys or Five Little Ducks. That's a great, great way to teach counting. There are other, uh, pr there's probably a nursery rhyme to teach just about anything you're trying to teach. I advocate for the parents that, uh, that have kids that I see for speech therapy to be the ones who actually sing the songs with their children. We are in a tablet and screen world, and I, I know a lot of Coco Melon and Little Baby Bum fans out there, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. However, when we are trying to teach kids how to use more words, the one issue with TV-based, tablet-based, phone-based songs playing on a screen is that kids kind of get into the habit. Watch your kid next time, and they get you can see that they kind of get into the habit of letting the song perform for them. And they might not be as active of a participant in those songs if they're just playing through. Or if they have the tablet, if they have control of the tablet or the TV or the screen on the phone, I see lots of kids who will play one part of the song over and over. So they're not actually getting to learn the attention that it takes to listen to the entire song all the way through. And it also doesn't encourage the child to uh, actually make the sounds of words because the song that's playing through is doing it for them. As the parent, if you are the one who's singing the songs, you also don't have to be the best singer in the world. It's not what it's about. Kids are learning a whole lot about music and it does not need to be an acapella quartet singer per quality performance to be great for teaching language for kids. You can change the pace of a song. And what do you, what do I mean by that? Well, I have a lot of kids that really, really enjoy if I speed it up or slow it down when we're singing a song. So I might start off with five little monkeys jumping on the bed. And then if I, I might speed it up a little, one fell off and bumped his head. I'll call the doctor and the doctor said, and I will see the child kind of energize and move a little faster and start to smile because they're tuning into what I'm saying. Or we go a little slower. I'll be like, three little monkeys jumping on the bed. And again, they have to listen to me to see where that pace is. And if they're doing any gestures or making any sounds along with it, they have to listen to the pace that I'm using to be able to participate in this song that they like so much. I also have found that if you use monster voices or you whisper or you sing um, a rhyme that's not an actual song like that, that that also tends to really get the excitement and the interest of a child. When you do these songs, you can create a pause at any time to make a little more social expectation for the child to continue the song with you. I do this a lot with Old MacDonald. I'll say, Old MacDonald had a farm. 
And if they're kind of at the sound level, I'll go E-I-E-I, and then I'll stop. And a lot of times I'll get my first O from this song. Or if the child's using maybe some single words, I might go, oh, McDonald had a farm, and then pause there to get them to fill in if they're doing a little more sound making or singing. Um, you can do the same thing with the animal and maybe provide a little bit of object support. So I like to use farm figurines for Old MacDonald. Put a couple of them out and then pause and say, Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And on that farm, he had a... And then I'll pause there. See if the child... yeah, And look down to try to help establish that joint attention I talked about in a previous episode. Look down at the animals and you could even point to them and say, oh, on that farm, he had a pig, a cow, if the child reaches toward one of those or grabs one or looks at it, you could always use that to be the choice of the song, uh, the verse of the song that you sing there. So being the one who's singing the song really does help you to set up a lot more participation for the child. I also really like to throw in an unexpected verse to increase that active attention to the parent's voice. So for example, I have a child who knows several, several nursery rhymes, front to back, he can sing them all, he knows all the gestures, but I encourage the parents to switch up the verses a little bit and see what he would do, because what that, that took him out of was kind of that rote, repetitive, the song ends in the same way every time kind of behavior with the songs, and he really had to listen to the verses that the mom or dad were, were singing with him. For example, um, Happy and you know it. Usually the sequence of happy and you know it is you start with clap your hands, stomp your feet, and then shout hooray, right? I told them to start with stomp your feet. And the child first kind of tried to go through that clapping your hands verse and then noticed what mom had said. And he stopped, he looked at mom, he smiled, and then stomped his feet because he listened to the words that his mother had used. So all these ways of, of using the nursery rhymes to help a child learn songs, attend to the words that you're using, engage a little more socially with you, possibly use some new words. Um, those, those are all ways to, to use those nursery rhymes to really help your child get more keyed into that language and to learn some basic concepts from the nursery rhymes themselves. You can also, things that I've done with the nursery rhymes, if the child is really motivated by them, is create a theme. So let's say we have a child who is not making any animal sounds yet, uh, but they like old McDonald. So you might even want to think about getting a series of toys together that are all related to that same thing. So you might have a toy barn with some figurines for animals and you're singing the song and you have a book that's about old McDonald. And all of those things together are really giving the child a lot of imitation of the same words and sounds over and over. You can use that song to go with the book and with and with the figurines, oh, even puzzles. You could do a, a farm puzzle along with that too. It's almost kind of kind of like a um, preschool theme when you're using all these different toys to teach the same concept in different ways. So I hope this was helpful. Always use nursery rhymes with your children if you're finding that there is a difficulty with keying into adult voices without the use of, of song because you are 
activating a different circuit of the brain that connects language and music. And that can be really helpful for kiddos who have language delays. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would help me greatly if you would subscribe or leave a five-star review. For additional content, including YouTube videos, articles, handouts, and help catered specifically to your child's needs, please visit playteachtalk.com.